Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Good morning. You are listening to The Mystery of Parenthood. And um, why don't you take a moment and listen, maybe give this next hour or so a chance. And um, before we begin with our guests and our um, topic today, we're going to begin with our prayer, as always. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray for us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. So today, Thaddeus is here with me. We are so blessed. Good to morning, have Trey. A, have a good morning. It's a great day. But um, it, it is awesome to uh, have Arlen Nichols with us. Um, he is with the John Paul II Foundation. I'm going to have him give his name. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be um, with Stephanie being going to speak in a breakout next this next weekend and, and, um, wanted to have him on and, um, wanted to have him on. Yeah. And, um, for us to talk about that. And then he, he had some other, some other, um, items that I thought would be uh, worthwhile for everybody to listen to. So Arlen, welcome. How are you? Great, Trey. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to uh, this coming weekend. Yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, so it's, it's this weekend, and it's in two places, right? But it's in the Houston, greater Houston area. Um, I, I was totally impressed by who's on there with, with present company excluded, (laughs) but, uh, but very much impressed with, uh, with who you have. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what, what it is, it's the together in holiness conference and, uh, where it is. And if people have time to register still, how they would register, um, anything else you want to say? So, yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, it, registration is still open. Uh, Together in Holiness is uh, one of the three initiatives of the St. John Paul II Foundation, and um, it's a it's a basically two thirds day uh, day long um, marriage enrichment con- conference, giving couples an opportunity to really uh, explore and. and John Paul's teaching on the family and to dig in deeply about how they're living that teaching in the day-to-day reality in the home. And so um, registration is still open today, and so I encourage our listeners to go to forlifeandfamily.org uh, to, to register and learn more. But um, the conference is Saturday, September 28th. There are, as you mentioned, uh, two locations. So it's a live conference, both locations, um, in Woodlands and in Sugarland, Texas. And uh, so especially the Woodlands. That's uh, close to here, yeah. Bryant College Station folks, you know, that's that's not too far away. So definitely encourage, uh, you know, making a little bit of a road trip and spending a day and, and, and exploring what God might have in store for you and your spouse. Yeah, I know. It, I mean, we went last year. It was really neat. There's, I know that it's really a large, I mean, relatively speaking, large conference, it seems to me. I think, I think last year there were several hundred people at it at the one I went to and I know that was just in the woodlands last year and then um the one down in in Sugarland it's at it's at a different church this time right in the woodlands 
It's at, uh, That's right. It's at St. Simon and Jude in the Woodlands. And uh, yes, last year we had around 800 people between the two conferences. This wow. year we're going to be, it looks like we'll have around 900. So it Holy continues moly. to grow, um, you know, give or take 50. You never know what happens the last week. But um, I mean, just a, a great event and a great day for for married couples to to really just recognize their primary vocation is to live their marriage as well and and to get one another to heaven through that and so i'm excited as you mentioned the lineup that we have for the day um because it, it is i mean it's tough to beat it really um, is i mean so why don't you tell who all um, yeah so in the woodlands we'll be starting with uh, actually mass will be celebrated at 8:30 in the morning with Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas, um, and he will also be the first speaker. Um, Bishop Strickland is going to be talking about the family from the first century to the 21st century. So he'll talk a little bit about uh, the way family has always been thought of, how marriage has always been thought of from the beginning, and how it should be lived. But then also some of the the struggles today in understanding what marriage, what family is. And so his his focus will really be helping couples to recognize the different competing visions of marriage and family life and then encouraging them to embrace God's plan for marriage uh, that he has ordained in nature uh, for us. And so that'll be the first uh, presentation. Bishop Strickland is just an amazing bishop uh, who has spoken very directly, you know, on so many of these issues that we are facing today in our culture. So we're excited to have him. And then our second keynote speaker is Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, uh, who probably many will be familiar with, but, you know, he's a, a EWTN um, television and radio personality, uh, former cop, um, uh, family man from Oregon, uh, and uh, we are excited to have him. He can, I mean, he can give a presentation. It, it's the most difficult presentations I give. Follow him because there's just no way you can. Yeah. He will light you on fire. So his his presentation is on giving witness uh, to Christ's love and evangelizing outside of the home. So what is the role that families have to be that light on a hill, to go out there and proclaim the good news about uh, the faith, about marriage and family, the beauty of truth and goodness? So he'll be focusing on that. So those are our two main speakers, Um, one really focused on internally looking inward, what are we called to be, and then the second, going out into the world. Yeah, I want to break in here and and kind of set things up for for Trey, and I just want to say that it's clear that Arlen really has a lot of love for you and Stephanie Trey because he's got you guys listed in the breakout session as the speakers for young families. I mean, he thinks about you guys as young no. parents. I, I That's how much that. he cares about you guys. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> We're not so young, but may, maybe, maybe uh, – we can share something with some younger families that'll, that'll and that is so awesome. You guys are on the docket with yeah, with well Bishop Strickland and with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. We had Deacon Harold Burke Sivers speak at our radio benefit uh, two years ago, and he just knocked it out of the park. I mean, he is dynamic. Yeah, I mean, just uh, on fire. It's yeah, it's hard. he takes he takes over a room. I'm an old football coach, so I, I'm. He got people on the edge of their seats, you know, just <laughs> wanting to. Yeah, go into the game and and so, so, tackle somebody. Yeah, no. So I was, I, we're humbled to even be I- included. But um, and like I said, we'll just those out there pray that what we that Stephanie and I are able to share something that will. Uh, he also touch. loves you because he didn't send you guys to the uh, Arizona event. He let you guys stay here in Texas. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. our listeners, we have we have a we're doing two conferences in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, on the same day as well. So wow. we actually have four conferences in one day uh, in two different cities. And uh, so between them, you know, it'll be, it'll be, uh, you know, same kind of, same kind of situations so another 900 or so people uh, in, in Phoenix as well. So, you know, we're cr- approaching 2000. I don't know that we're going to quite make it to 2000 that day, but you know, 1700 to 2000, something like that. It's just an amazing day for marriage and family. Uh, and we encourage our listeners to uh, take part of it, be a part of it, and, and be able to be impacted 
by the wonderful speakers, including the one and only Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Uh, so. <laughs> well, I, don't, I mean, I, all I know is like, I know Father Mitch was last year, so y'all do get quality uh, speakers. And I, I don't yeah. remember who the other one was. I, I saw Father Mitch, but um, but anyway, I, I, I would highly encourage if, you know, it's it's maybe short, a little short notice for, for some, but um, but if you can make it, uh, I would highly encourage listeners. Where do they to go to register? Arland, how do they do that? You can go to, absolutely. You can go to forlifeandfamily.org. So, you know, all, all together, no numbers, but forlifeandfamily.org. Okay, okay. Look up events, and uh, it's easy to find the, the, the conference that you want to go to. So, um, Well, I would just yeah. highly, highly encourage um, people to, if they have time to do it, because I know that last, it was, it was really, you could tell it was, impactful you know in terms of the people that i ended up talking to after um after our our deal that we were that we were doing last year and um it's just high quality well done solid uh, from every aspect solid doctrine solid teaching solid application so um Mm -hmm. if if you as and then solid support for for people who are um who are striving to try to live uh, in this world we find ourselves today, uh, Catholic, Christian, uh, holy matrimony, and parenthood. Yeah. So anyway, I'm grateful for all you do on that. Yeah, I want to also mention something for families that, um, especially since it's a uh, short notice, but there is childcare for kids 18 <laughs> months to 12 years for $5 a child. So it's not something where... You know, you absolutely have to get babysitting arranged, or <clears throat> ask your in-laws to, uh, or your 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 grandparents to to take the kids so that you can go to this. Um, I think that's a really awesome aspect, and and what a commitment to, you know, the family that that you make by by doing that, Arland. Sure. Well, and and, and that's you know, it's five dollars per kid, like you said, not per hour. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, mm-hmm. And we we recognize, especially for young families, you know, just. The, the time is the biggest thing, but when it comes to the finances, it's the babysitting that costs so darn much. You know, I mean, I've got seven kids and, and uh, it's the babysitting that kills you. It's not the cost, cost of the conference. So right. we want to make sure that we remove whatever barriers we can for couples to come. Scholarships are also available if, if any of our listeners need, uh, you know, can't afford the, schol- uh, the, the registration fee, which is just $59 per couple. That includes breakfast and lunch. That's really but, good. Uh, no, I mean we, we we do everything we can to make sure that that couples can can attend and and we want no excuses because you know what we're going to hear and what we're going to learn together, you know from Bishop Strickland and from Deacon Harold and and the Cashins and Father Rick Kramer uh, there in the woodlands. It's it, gosh, it's so worth it. It's so important. So we we we're happy to have so many people come and and to make it as accessible as we possibly can. That's going to be a tough conference on the men there because I feel like with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Trey Cashin and Bishop Strickland, they're going to get hit between the eyes like every single session. You need to do this better. You need to do more. You need to step up to the plate. Be a man. We don't want to run off anybody. <laughs> but that's what guys need to hear. They need they need that. They need well, that. I think more of a, more like hopefully more like a coach that uh, is encouraging and challenging at the same time. Yeah, hopefully. and uh, For sure. I can't. I would ha- be hard pressed to even find myself in the in the company of those people. So. I guess Arlen didn't see it that way. He yeah. felt like uh, you're a natural yeah. to be with those with well, those people. He's kind. And anyway, I hope everybody out there prays for me. Just and Stephanie both, because when we when we talk, it's always a. An interesting journey. So. Arlen, before we move on to our kind of topic sure. of the day, um, what's your favorite part about putting on one of these conferences? Great question. Well, you know, it probably goes to what Trey said just a few moments ago. Um, these conferences have a serious impact on, on married couples. Uh, it inspires them. It gives them resources. It gives them tools. Uh, in their toolbox that they maybe didn't have before. Sometimes it helps them to resolve uh, issues that have maybe have been ongoing kind of under the surface for, for years. Um, and, and it really helps couples to take that next step. So for me, uh, 
seeing the impact that it has on on the married couples who attend is huge, and that's why couples keep coming back every year. Uh, our feedback our feedback from these events is is tremendous, and we always do a survey after each conference. I mean, we get do anywhere from ninety two percent to a hundred percent. You know, did this impact your marriage? Did it? Did you learn something practical that you can bring into the home? You know, those kinds of questions. People are being impacted. Marriages are being strengthened. Families are being enriched by this conference. So when I'm there, you know, for me, it's I'm just humbled. You know, yeah. that I can make make this available. Uh, through partnership with the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, uh, that we can make this available to so many couples, and and to see the impact on their lives is huge. And and it inspire, frankly, it inspires me to be a better husband, to be a better father. Um, you know, I I'm an attendee just like anybody else. I'm just a regular guy, just like anyone else. And and I've got room to grow. Uh, if my bride were on, she could tell you all about it. Um, <laughs> that's, why we, that's why he scheduled those three presenters. He needs that teaching. Uh, <laughs> notice, notice I'm not giving the talk uh, with my bride. Well, uh, and yeah, and I'm, <laughs> that's why I get more humbled of the two of the two in the of the two of the cash and crew uh, that are there. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely second. So. <laughs> there you go. So. So, I mean, I, I kind of answered in a long way, long form there, but I just, it really does have an impact on, on people. And, you know, I've given my life to this and, and, and launching the John Paul II Foundation and to see it bear fruit is just an incredible thing. Um, and so I'm grateful for that always. I mean, that that is awesome to hear you talk about that and to mention that, um, you know, this is, this is your vocation. This is your apostolate that you've dedicated your life to. And I can hear you. I mean, you're just, you're getting kind of emotional about it, Arlen. I mean, it's like part of your entire person that you're this, the, the emotions that you have about uh, this conference. So it's, yeah, he's, he's all in. It's awesome. But, but I'm, I agree with Arlen just having, having been there and, and being as involved with the foundation and everything. It's just so critical today. Cause I think it's very easy to in easy, harder on younger people than even, it was for us, you know, younger couples coming up because it's just mm-hmm. the culture keeps kind of going away. And I think you can feel like you're like maybe the only one out there, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and what, what the conference does is it puts you in contact with people who have similar goals, similar aspirations, who are in love with the Lord and who want to do everything that they can to um, have their marriages and their families be reflections to this world of God's love. And um, Mm -hmm. I I think that, you know, we always need to be able to surround ourselves because we do have to go out into the world. We can't like just be ghetto (laughs) oriented, but, but we have to come back and be strengthened um, and encouraged and know that there are other people going through similar issues, similar struggles that there's not just naming that, but actually providing, Hey, here's a way to look at it. Here's something you can do. Here's and then be encouraged to go back out into the world, knowing that there are others with them and they're not the only ones and with something to go and try to apply so that this world can see them. I, I, I just, I'm so grateful for what you do. And, um, and I, and I would encourage anybody who can make it to take the time to make it, um, this weekend. Yeah, for sure. So, no, no, thank you for that, and thank you for your involvement, Trey, with with the foundation and and speaking this conference. Um, you you mentioned the fellowship that is so important. We have to do the Catholic thing in community, absolutely, and uh, and, and to be surrounded by like minded couples mm-hmm. is really huge. And to always be growing that circle is important. Uh, again, like you, you can't be, as you said, kind of looking inward only insular, you know, shielding from the world alone. Uh, there's certainly things we have to shield from, but we always have to be looking outward and growing the choir, if you will. And uh, so an event like this helps to make that happen. It's a great way to invite people, you know, to yes. take more seriously the Catholic faith in their home um, and, uh, and and to living out God's plan for their marriages in their home. Uh, but and, and again, you're going to meet. 350, 400, not that you'll meet that many, but there's, you know, all those people gathered around excited and pumped up about doing the Catholic thing in their marriage. And, and, and that's the kind of, you know, to, to my mind, that's the kind of thing that impacts you forever. 
And uh, so, yeah, I hope many will take advantage of it. And by the way, there's also a lot of time for prayer. We mentioned Mass, there's confession, there's adoration, uh, there'll be a blessing for married couples. Um, and uh, so, fellowship, great talks, prayer, the sacraments, you can't beat it. Yeah, so anyway, mark it down. It's it's this coming weekend. It'll be the weekend. What what is that? The twenty the thirtieth. What's the twenty eighth? Twenty eighth. Saturday the twenty eighth. Uh, <laughs> hey man, listen. When you get to my age, <laughs> I can't even remember what month it is. Uh, <laughs> man, you know our triplets are they're graduating. They're graduating from high school. And uh, I could feel, um, anyway, uh, it, the, yeah. it, being parent, being good parents is is definitely for the young. <laughs> so, because <laughs> as I've gotten older, we're we're uh, definitely um, my my mind is not quite the same as it used to be. So anyway, sure. but uh, but anyway, so um, encourage highly encourage people to go ahead and and register and be there. We'd love to see you, and um, think it would be just super beneficial and if not i know that around i mean well there'll be one next year around the same time right arland I mean, that's right yes it's an annual conference uh so absolutely yeah so so if if you can't do it this time then go ahead and maybe put you know put it on your calendar to say hey sometime in the summer of next year that you're going to you know check and see where it is because just go to the website and you can do it. So anyway, you are listening to Mystery of Parenthood on Red Sea Catholic Radio. And um, we're talking with Arlen Nichols of St. John Paul II. So Arlen, you know, you were you were getting emotional there about the, the impact that you're having. And uh, that speaks right to kind of what our topic on parenting was going to be today. Um, how do we... How do we form and deal with the the emotions of our of our children in um, forming the whole person? Right. Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, we the the human person. The you know, we want to be an integrated whole, mm-hmm. right? And and we can't just have our actions be good, but we also want our intellect to be good. We want our emotions to be good, and as much as possible. We want the entire person to be whole and entire on the same page, becoming another Christ, right? Becoming, uh, you know, where Christ increases in us and we decrease. And so a big part of that is the emotions. And and first as parents and, and as spouses, you know, how do we govern our emotions? And But then secondly, as parents, um, what does that look like in the home? So. Yes, I, I, thanks for uh, noticing or <laughs> calling me out on getting a little emotional there. But, uh, you know, we, we should be drawn by our emotions to good things and, and then also learn to avoid the things that, that, that we're drawn to by our emotions that aren't good as well. We can probably get very practical there and hope we do. But, uh, yeah, the integrity of the person is what I've been thinking about lately and, and uh, making sure that all of those things are aligned for Christ. Right. And so uh, that's one of the things that we've always we've tried to say is is really important because I've seen um, I've seen parents that will will work really hard to get the outward mm-hmm. behavior they want um, uh, of a child, but then not form them to understand why that behavior matters, why that's something that's good for them and not get it to to their heart to where they're actually their entire person is all in on hey I should be doing this I shouldn't be doing that whatever I think that like I said we we talk about parenting in the funnel on on this show for a long time about the fact that we're trying to move towards freedom but but they've got to be formed and so there are limitations we have to put on ourselves and our children but we should be moving away from limiting them and having them make it their own and the only way that's going to happen is to see them as an entire person because it is possible as a parent through punishment and other things to just say you're going to behave a certain way or else, but without an explanation, so you're not forming the mind, without a why is this good for you, you know, why is, why is it important for you, not getting them their heart involved in it where it's their entire self. And I've seen... Unfortunately, where there are situations where the outward, the parents, the 
the person leaves the household without the external forces of, of parents imposing things on them or whatever, and then they dismiss it all because they're not all in at that point. So I think, at least in part here, I think that's very important to recognize that we're after the whole child as a parent. We're after the entirety of the person, not not just some outward um, conformity. Conformity to this is what you know we do and how we act. Right. Uh, we may want that, but we're but we have to approach it, it, it maybe in a longer term uh, um, process of saying we've got to help them to understand why, and then ha- help engage their heart to say this is for you, not 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 for me, not for outward appearance, but actually for you. And then the, then when they do the outward uh, virtuous thing, that it's connected to something that becomes their own as opposed to something that's imposed externally. What do you, you think? Is that, am I on target there a little? Or? Yeah. Oh gosh. No, that's very well said. Um, no, at the end of the day, you know, at least in terms of how I've been thinking, it, it comes down to integrity. Right. And you and you want each of the parts, if you will, of the person to be aligned toward the good, towards the true, towards the beautiful. And 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 as parents, it is so I mean, you know, I've got my oldest is 12. Right. It is so easy to fall upon, uh, you know, the, the threats of punishment. It's so easy to fall uh, you know, upon anger and things like that. But. And, and outward conformity, as you were saying, but the challenge is that we want to actually convert that little mind, that little heart, the emotions of the children entrusted to us. We want Christ to convert them, I should say, through us. And and so you need the emotions, you need the intellect, you need the will all to be aligned towards Christ. And when you don't have that, you have disintegration, right? The, the opposite of integrity, the opposite of integration. And then we separate into separate parts and people feel like, you know, I, Hey, here in front of these people, I act this way. And then I can come be a completely different human being over here because it never sunk in deep. And, uh, it's a real challenge as parents for sure. But I think this is also the opportunity for parents, um, that we should always be, uh, making sure that we encourage ourselves, but also our children, to increasingly purify and the reason they do the good, the reason they do what is true, what is beautiful. Increasingly, that has to be purified, I think. Um, And so when we find, you know, the, the emotions not wanting to obey mom, to pray for that conversion and seek to uh, uh, you know, to bring about a conversion of emotions as well. We can't directly control our emotions, but we can indirectly do so by fostering a life of virtue and doing the right thing for the right reason. And, I, uh, and so, again, I think that's very important for us as parents. Yeah, I think uh, I think one of the things that that I hear you saying and that that we're we're talking about here is really important but it takes time which is mm. explaining you know the moral reason why you know the to to help them do it and you may have to do it over and over and over again in different circumstances but part of the issue is is finding the situation so we always say you have to have kind of your antennas up as a parent antennas up to say okay this is a problem or this is something good but but I'm I'm always looking for the opportunity cuz the teachable moment in many cases will pop up at, at an inopportune time as a parent. It'll, ha- it'll happen when Inevitably. I don't have time, you know, to deal with this. And so you can fall back really quickly on, we'll do it because I said so, which I think we always have the right to do. But if we leave it there, then we get outward compliance potentially that's not connected. You know, the, the, the emotion, everything's not connected with, with that. And so I think that, being able to explain the reason why is imperative on, on a parent. And I've always said, look, if you don't, if you can't come, you don't, you may not know the reason why initially, because it's just the way you were raised. You know, why do you open a door for, for, for a lady? Why? <laughs> I mean, my mom drilled that into my head 
nobody ever explained why why is why is that well you know if my kid asked me that why i'm not sure i would necessarily come up and if if emotions are involved um sometimes you have to extract from the situation but you can't just get the outward appearance without going back and spending time on why do we do this um for example like i one of my favorite well and we won't get into <laughs> into but one of my favorite things that ever happened was dealing with my son and his xbox not what some people have thought it's actually my engagement with my son was he was home from college and he was and he was on his um deal for for hours and we would say look you you know it's okay to do but you have to be the master of it not have it be the master of you and so you got to set times and one night during a school night when he was you know in college during off time i had to go to i had to go to work the next day and it's like 12 30 and i'm like hey man you, you need to get off and we engaged and he was like dad i mean why don't you just i said listen exactly ask yourself why am i up at 12 30 at night telling you you need to get off the phone i mean get off the xbox why am i up what would be the easiest thing for me to do he's like well why aren't you just going to sleep i said you ask yourself why am i not going to sleep because this is important you have got to be able to say no to things that you're attracted to it can be good or, yep. or or bad. It's not whether it's good or bad, what you're playing. Hopefully it's good, but the reality is you still have to be able to turn it off of your own volition. Not because I'm telling you to turn it off, but because it's the right thing to do at some point. You have to say that's enough of any, of any good thing. And so we went round and around, but my point is, is that as a parent, sometimes Did you have to keep playing the Xbox while no, he was talking to you. No, he didn't. <laughs> okay, good. No, good. no, he did have my, there's another good point is I was, you know, say, look at my eyes, yeah. you know, hey, I want your eyes. At you, even in that moment, you thought, oh, I did at least teach him right. He turned off the game while I'm talking to him. <laughs> well, at least it was on pause. Right, on pause. Exactly. But, but, but I guess my point is, is that as parents, I think that it's, it's imperative sometimes to do the hard work of calling them, but do the extra work of not just saying, turn it off, not just saying unplug it, not saying I'm taking the controller away, but actually spend the time explaining why this is important to him and even getting him to think, why am I doing this? Because sometimes it's just as simple as you, you need to point out, it would be easier for me to do nothing. I mean, it would be way easier for me to do nothing. So ask yourself, why am I doing it? <laughs> if it's for me, I'd be in bed. This is for you. And now that has to happen multiple times over time yeah. for them to recognize that. But process. But 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 I, I think that's the kind of attitude that as a parent we have to have, which is we're gonna take the time to explain why it's important for them and that it's not us imposing what's good separate from their engagement. Now, I was gonna turn the thing off regardless of how the conversation went. <laughs> but, but if I'd done that at the beginning, it wouldn't have had near the impact that it eventually had. Right. So right. I, I don't know. Any thought, I mean, that, I think that we all should be looking for those opportunities to do it, but then recognize sometimes it happens at the worst time. What Told do you think about that, Arland? Well, no, I mean, absolutely. I agree. Um, I, you know, I have probably when we, when we visited together, you know, shared something along these lines, but, you know, we get into a real habit as, as, as parents of uh, negotiating with our children right. uh, when we shouldn't be. Um, you know, I, it's usually at an inopportune time, right? When you're really busy, um, when there's company over, when you're in a public place, and the kid is whining, right? The kid wants the, you know, X, Y, or Z, and they're falling apart. And it's really hard to take that time and, and, and it, to actually step aside and correct instead of giving in. And mm -hmm. what happens is when, if we give in to our children's impulses, especially when they're younger, mm -hmm. we give them into, into, they create vicious habits. They create the kinds of habits we don't want them to have. Um, and, and, and my policy, if I can say it directly, is we don't negotiate with terrorists, right? <laughs> our children 
are trying to hold us hostages Mm -hmm. at times, Mm -hmm. right? And we have to recognize when those times are, and we don't negotiate. Now, it doesn't mean you're inflexible and inhuman, of course, but when you know you are in the right, as with Trey's example, you have to hold the line. And it's essential that we do so. When we do so, it helps to shape our children. It helps to form them. It allows habits that are good to begin forming, but then also gets rid of the bad habits that you don't want to have uh, as parents and, and, and for, for children and for ourselves, for that matter. So, no, I, I like Trey's example. Um, and, uh, but it, it goes back to me. Um, so much of this goes back to virtue. Mm-hmm. And, and and virtue is a firm and habitual disposition to do the good. So it's firm, it's set, it's habitual, it's something that happens, it's a habitus in, in Latin. It, it, it's something that just naturally kind of comes, flows from the person, uh, and, and a disposition to do the good. This means, right, that we are naturally disposed to do the good. So whereas a child might naturally be disposed at the outset, right, to punch his sibling mm-hmm. when the toy is stolen from him, right, we want that child to see what the good really is. Yes, the toy is a good, but the love and honor and respect for your sister is even a greater good. And because of that, we don't respond in that way, mm-hmm. right? Now, do you explain this to a three-year-old in the same? No, of course no. not. But gradually over time, we unfold, we unwrap these beautiful truths about the respect that your sister or a woman or a man or a parent is owed. Right. And I think that that's a great like so with the with the the other thing that we can do as parents is coach and counsel them on. We, we always end that, you know, what do you think would have been a better way than hitting your <laughs> Your sure. sibling. Now, it, in that moment, it may not be. In a three-year-old, it certainly may not make that sense. But a five- or a six-year-old that's old enough that might still be at a point where they might, you know, take it back or push or do whatever mm-hmm. uh, in handling the wrong way, is it, again, that situation pops up at a time. The time to try to deal with it is then, and then whether it's then or at a later point, do not neglect to not just correct the situation, but to actually mm-hmm. engage the child so that their intellect and their will and their heart can be engaged. So talk about their about the love of a brother uh, to, with a sister, but also talk about, hey, you probably could have handled this a better way. Mike, what would right. be a better way? And, and then provide them with options. Well, maybe next time let's let's try to do that, so that you're constantly teaching them and engaging them at a different level than just outward. Don't punch your sister. Right. Don't punch your brother. Right. You're going to be punished. Well, you may get them to where they don't do that before, but you haven't got their mind. You haven't got their heart. And so the way you can do that is engage them appropriately by age, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But probably by age, but even at five, you can say, Hey, what might've been a better way to handle this? Please kind of have this mom and dad. Could you set the timer for five minutes? Whatever. Uh, (laughs) There's lots of reasons not to hit your sister, right? And kids are, kids are going to learn, right? Right. One is you avoid getting in trouble. Right. Right. And, And okay. That's helpful. It gets the behavior Two, um, you quickly learn, actually, you don't get your toy back. At least you've shown that his parents are doing it right. Right. Okay, right. So you actually, it's actually counterproductive. Eventually, kids pick this up, but still, we're still talking about outward, outward behavior. We're not right. actually talking about conversion, and we can go deeper. But eventually, hopefully, because because I love my sister, right? And and and, and there's a deep understanding, not just of the intellect, that my job is to protect her, right? Exactly. As her brother, to to and and I love her, and I want what's best for her, and it's my whole person. Right. Not just, uh, you know, the, the outward material or behavior and not just intellectual, but actually emotionally. Right. And as they grow and mature, we it, it becomes more likely that the whole person will honor and respect the women in his or her life because of this kind of intentionally forming them and not just getting that outward behavior taken care of. I, I think it's, it's so critical. Yes. Um, I want to go back yeah. to the to obedience 
and talk a little bit about that in that I think it's important and we try to do this when we um, when we reach a, a a critical point dealing with uh, we need your we need obedience on on some aspect of family life we we try to bring the life of Christ back into it and we try to we try to help the children understand that there actually is a positive good to obedience is a good thing. It's not, it's not a bad thing because look at Christ. He was the incarnate son of God. And yet he made himself, he was obedient to his earthly parents, to our lady and to St. Joseph. And he, even from his disciples, he, he, there are times where he insisted on, um, obedience from from the apostles without necessarily you know explaining everything about his earthly ministry and how it was going to unfold and why he was doing things. Um, he even told his mother that woman, this is not my my hour. My hour is not yet come. Um, I think I think kind of bringing it back to if Jesus Christ could do this and there's a, an example of obedience in the, in the gospels, how much more should, shouldn't we strive to be obedient, even if not in all occasions and not in all circumstances, do we understand why we have to be obedient? I, I, and I think that's so countercultural these, these days. And, and, it, and it has been in many times in human history where the, the human will uh, wants to rule and it wants to order and, and make make things um, conduce to, to its own pleasures and to its own desires. And um, we have to, we have to make, sh- make sure that, that our children are learning that obedience is a, is a positive good and it's something that brings order and um, felicity and, and happiness to, to the family and, and to, the, to the community, ultimately. Yeah, I. I mean, I absolutely. Yeah, yeah go. I mean, I'll, I'll let you go. What made what made you what you just said made me think is it's that's why it's so important as parents to to help our kids understand that their obedience and point out that when they obey and something goes right for them, that we actually show, look, you obeyed and this good occurred or this bad was avoided, that. So that we're constantly showing them that 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 obedience is not me putting you down, me being in charge, me being the boss of you, but that your obedience is looking to an authority whose job is to serve you, whose job is to serve you by making you a better person, by helping you attain the goals that you want, by helping you become who God created you to be. And so I think that it's really important that that we actually point out when they obey positively as many times as when they don't obey to get punished or have something taken away or whatever that we actually are showing them that obeying is a good thing for you. Not, not just cause you're again, not just cause you're getting, you're not going to get in trouble, but because what we're asking you to do or asking you not to do and you're obeying that is actually good for you. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. the, to, we got to help them connect the dots. Sometimes I think we right. think they should connect the dots. I mean, as parents, we should take the time to connect the dots for them so that they can begin to see. Because what I love when they get older is when I can't come up with something is, hey, why don't you just trust me on this? Have I ever led you wrong? It's to this day with 18-year-olds, I've done that before. I mean, I do that sometimes. Yeah. Hey, just have I ever messed I've ever done something that just really was bad for you and just trust me on this one. Well, you have to have built the trust for that to happen. Yeah. And it's nice to be able to do with a 17 or an 18 year old. Cause if you haven't, if you've been force feeding them, that's when that, that starts becoming what is the, the stereotypical teenager. And I'm here to tell you that stereo that, that does not have to be the way it right. does not because I have great relationships with our kids. I mean, they're still teenagers, but, but I have great relationships with them because we've done this. It, that's available to anybody out there. It's just how you try to parent them. You, you got to say, I want them to understand why. And sometimes I want them to know just flat out, trust dad, trust mom, because they've never led me stray. Right. Right. So, 
Go ahead. Or I don't know Arlen, if you have any comments. Oh no, I mean I just I think it, uh, obedience at times, um, you know, just if you will, strict obedience as as Thaddeus was explaining it, um, you know, at times is necessary, and sometimes yes. explanations can't follow mm-hmm. uh, particular things. And uh, but I think having that relationship of trust that you mentioned is very important. Um, I think you know, and this is why spending time with our children. Yes, uh, is is so key, and it's something that's difficult for me. You know, I'm about to be in a, a full week of travels here. Uh, it's it's a challenge at times, but making sure we're spending quality and quantity time with our kids, um, because it builds that relationship and builds that rapport. Um, you know, we live in in a in a in an emotional world. We you know everything is evaluated by emotions right trigger this trigger that mm-hmm. right I mean, everything triggers people today it's it's highly emotional it's highly impulsive uh it's it's you know instant gratification kind of world and in that milieu that we're living in as parents being with our children showing them how adults who are mature respond encouraging them to understand the why behind their actions is so importance. I'll, I'll give an example in my own life. Uh, you know, we growing up, TV was kind of like a bad thing, right? We never watched TV. It was evil. It was just, you know, when you watched it, it was because mom and dad weren't there. Um, <laughs> and, and we were watching it. as soon as the lights sh- shined as they're driving in, you know, at night, you turn off the TV and you run to your room, pretend like you're asleep. I mean, this was my world, right? But exteriorly, it seemed like we were great. We weren't taking in all that the culture had to offer us on the television. I go to college. What do you think happens? Yeah. I mean, it's, I am addicted to the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because it never had in this particular instance, and it's a fairly light example, but it never had my parents formed in me the understanding of why I shouldn't sit in front of without discretion, the TV all day or all night. Uh, and so when I went to college, I was in front of it all the time and it, it was not a positive uh, experience as a result of that. So yeah. I, you know, again, so that just my own example, so we're not just pointing at somebody else, but um, uh, I think these kinds of things are important for us as parents yeah, to really I, take seriously and to be intentional about. Absolutely. And that's why, I could, so with, with, with something like that, teaching them, hey, you got to set so much time, whatever, you know, for, for watching, and then you have to make good decisions about what you watch and, and those to walk them through the thought process. How do, how do mom and dad decide what to watch and when to watch and what movies to go to or whatever to walk them through hey this is what we do you know we'll go look on several websites and find out what what what's it about we'll ask other people who've seen it again you may do that and may make a decision but never share it with your kids and say we're not going to go see that or you may not watch that and if you haven't shared with them the insight that you're having or at least kind of the process as they grow older then it's not their own. It's just, I'm doing what mom and dad says to do. And again, it's because I think it's easier to just say no <laughs> than to actually walk them through as they go. So anyway, we're, I know we're getting to the end, but before we, before we do um, that, I want to make sure that we, that we are um, able to, able to um, give a last little pitch for the, for the, uh, Together in Holiness Conference that's coming up this Saturday, September 28th. Short-term memory still there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and you and that you can that you can um, register again. How do you do it online? Go to forlifeandfamily.org. Forlifeandfamily.org. And um and again, great speakers. Um we want to make sure that 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 people are getting put in front of people who are explaining the whys of why is it important to live our family life. So all of this just ties together and just take the time to do that. So with regard to virtue and your family, we've got, we get, we've got like maybe one more minute or how would you like to, anything you'd like to leave the listeners with a tip, maybe a tip or, or a way of thinking or whatever that you're a new insight. I guess I would just say this, you know, we, we've been talking about virtue here in the last few minutes. Um, most of us don't know what the virtues are. Um, 
we maybe heard the word, we're familiar with the word, but we don't really know what it means if we couldn't give you a list of four, five, six examples of the virtues. So my encouragement would be just to go to the catechism, parents, learn about at least the cardinal virtues, mm-hmm. um, the hinge virtues, those are most important for living the moral life. Learn about the virtues and then try to implement it somehow into your parenting. Our we live in a post-virtue world, but we want our kids to be virtuous, the best of men, the best of women. And I think by studying and, and learning it ourselves, it'll go a long way in helping to shape our children. And again, going to a place like this and, and surrounding yourself with other people who are striving and struggling in this day and age, married couples group, a Bible study, something along those lines, as parents to form yourself in those, and then just take it one bite at a time, I think. you know, Sometimes it can be overwhelming at what you don't know, but the reality is if God has given you parent, uh, given you children, he's going to give you the grace, um, to do it. Just take the next step, I guess, uh, is that, but anyway, Arlen, I really appreciate uh, you being here and thank you so much for taking time uh, to be on the show. And, um, we just, uh, we ask, I think we're, we're drawing here. I guess we got one more minute. So, let me give you this verse. It was in it was in the article you sent me, what I think is great. Galatians um, two twenty. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I think that's fitting for us to, uh, as we talk about trying to become other Christs, um, to allow Him to live in us. And so, remember, pray parent with a purpose and prepare for God to amaze you and he will God bless pray for us we'll be praying for you thanks from the cross to the grave into heaven from the cross